Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Evening listener, you're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with an audio adaptation of frightening fiction about ethereal events. I'm your host, Paul J. McSorley, and tonight and every other Wednesday night, I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring life to the frightening fiction of Keisto Healy is myself, voice talent Paul J. McSorley. Now, get your ticket ready, take your seat in our theater of the minds, embrace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our first tale this evening is written by Keisto Healy and is performed by me, Paul J. McSorley. Meet Samson and Olivia, a couple plagued by a very big problem. Now, without further ado, I present to you Franklin's Garden. Samson stared up at the ceiling. He could hear movement in the attic above, scraping and quiet banging, like the shuffle and walk of feet. Originally, the sounds were more subtle and he thought they had rats, or maybe a bird had gotten itself trapped up there somehow. But each time he climbed the ladder in search of a critter, 
he came up empty-handed. And each time he returned to the main floor of the house, the sounds returned, intensified, until they were now like footsteps on the ceiling. It was driving him crazy. Maybe it's a person, Olivia said, sipping her lemonade and coming over to stand beside him. I've heard some crazy stories about squatters taking residence in people's basements and attics and shit. We could have a stray, Sam. Samson glared at her. If I couldn't locate a fucking bird or a rodent, how the hell is there going to be a person up there, Liv? Use your head. Olivia rolled her eyes and gave a huff of disgust. Fine, you don't have to be a dick about it. Simpson was going to offer a rebuttal when he was distracted by the sound of a slamming door. It made him jump. He and Olivia looked at each other for a moment in silence, and then they went to investigate. There were new sounds of movement coming from the kitchen. The door to the backyard was there, and they realized that that must have been what they heard. Someone must have come in. But who? Drawers opened and silverware rattled as Sam and Olivia approached. Glasses shattered. They stopped, frozen dead in their tracks when they reached the threshold. In the kitchen was an enormous man in paint coveralls. There was broken glass, liquid, and melting ice cubes on the floor, and something else that Samson couldn't quite see, something large blocked by the stranger's massive body. Sam was terrified of the big man, but the intruder didn't seem to notice him yet, so he took a tentative step into the room and craned his head for a better look. A lifeless Olivia stared back at him from wide, frozen eyes, still as blue as ever. Her mouth was agape, a terrible wound torn in her torso, dark blood staining her sundress and the floor around it. Samson shook his head. But Olivia was behind him. How is this possible? What is it? What do you see? Olivia called quietly. Get back. We need to go. Samson said to her. He didn't understand what was happening, but he knew it wasn't good. Olivia looked frightened, but she complied and moved back into the hallway. Samson backed out of the room and they eased away together. As they stood in the hallway watching, the big man dragged Olivia's corpse to the drop-down ladder and then carried her loudly up to the attic, the wood squeaking and his footsteps echoing back down below. Samson glanced over at the Olivia who stood next to him, wondering if she had seen that it was her the man had carried. What do you think he's doing up there? She asked. She didn't seem to be aware that there were two of her and one was so terribly dead. Maybe that was for the better, Samson thought. But what did any of this mean? The truth hit Samson then. His eyes widened. I don't know. Can you go up and see? He asked her. Check and let me know. Tell me exactly what you see, Liv. Me? Please, I'll be right here. I'm right behind you. Okay, she said with a frown. Olivia climbed the ladder. Samson trembled as he waited on the ground, staring at her sundress, the very same one he had seen covered in blood only moments ago, thrown over the big man's shoulder. It was clean as ever as she wore it now, standing on the steps to the attic and peering into the opening at the stranger above, banging and shuffling about. Had he been up there the whole time, living in their attic? 
Had he been the source of the sound maddening Samson this whole time? Had Olivia been right? Who was he? A moment later, Olivia was coming back down, face as white as a ghost. Samson, she said, I'm so sorry. It's me, isn't it? He asked. I'm in the attic. Her eyes filled with tears. How did you know? I don't understand. What's happening? You're there too now, he told her. You were in the kitchen. He just carried you up. We can't see our own bodies live, only the other persons. The sounds you've been hearing for the last few days, she said, trailing off. It was him dragging us up there, hiding what he had done, storing us away. Over and over? It doesn't make sense. She was right again. Samson swallowed a lump in his throat and nodded. I think we're trapped, Liv. We have to tell someone. Maybe that's what's happening, Sam. We're living this moment over and over because no one knows we're here. Sam licked his lips. He nodded and ran for the front door, grabbing the knob. He turned it and opened the door. The outside wavered like he was staring at it through water. Go, Olivia told him. Sam nodded, more to himself, and then pushed forward. It was like running into a wall. He hit the image of the outside, and it reverberated like someone had thrown a stone into the watery picture, rippling outwards. The shockwave sent him careening backward into the house. He fell through Olivia onto the floor. Samson shook and hugged himself as he stared up at Olivia, who stood frozen like she was rooted to the ground. She was looking at the unattainable world beyond the open door with wide, fearful eyes. Damn it! A voice boomed. The man that had brought their bodies up to the attic now walked right through Olivia and slammed the door shut, engaging the locks. You don't ever learn, do you? He turned back, looking around for something he couldn't seem to see. Samson slowly got to his feet. He met Olivia's eyes and knew she realized, just as he did, that the man couldn't see them. He could see what they touched and moved, though, because he saw the door. Maybe they could use that. I'm just as stuck as you are, the man called out. He looked right past them and turned to face every direction. You think I want to relive this over and over? It's not me. It's the house. This goddamned house. What do you mean? Olivia asked. This is our house, Samson said. Our home. We lived here for months. It was the first home we were able to buy together. We were supposed to have children here, start a family. Olivia was sobbing now. She ran to him and crushed herself against him. He wrapped his arms around her and held her tightly. The man they spoke to didn't seem to hear them. He just walked around and looked every which way. I know you're here, he said. I know you're listening. I didn't kill you. You know that, right? Can you remember? I was working outside. You hired me to do the yard, take care of the lawn and whatnot. Do you remember? Is that true? Olivia asked, looking up at Samson. He glanced down at her and let go. She moved away and looked him in the eyes. 
Samson thought hard and then shook his head. Maybe. I don't know. It's definitely possible, but I can't seem to remember. Even if it is, doing the lawn doesn't mean he didn't kill us. We saw him. He carried you to the attic. You saw him, Olivia said. You think I'm fucking lying? You saw me up there live. You didn't see you, but you saw me. How do you think I got up there if it wasn't him? I didn't see him kill you. I saw him and I saw you and you were laying there, twisted and... She stopped, reliving it in her mind, but not wanting to voice what she saw. Samson understood. He wouldn't have been able to tell her the condition of her body either. The man in the overalls had almost left the room, but then he turned around and came back. He was looking in such odd places, like the shadows and ceiling. Does he think we fly? Samson wondered. Jackson, Jackson Hamill, the man said. That's me. You heard of me from a friend at work, Tammy. I've been doing her lawn for years now. None of this rings a bell? Fuck. Why don't you talk to me if you can open doors and turn lights on and off? You don't think we'd love to? Samson said sarcastically. Are you dead too? No. You can't be dead because if you were, you'd be able to see us. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You should be able to go through the door then, right? Olivia said, a spark of hope in her voice. Maybe we can get him to go, leave, tell someone we're here. The large man fell more than sat on the couch. He looked exhausted. He rubbed his face with both hands and sighed. I heard the screams. I came in and the door shut behind me. I opened it and the outside was all weird, like liquid. But when I touched it, it felt like wood. A voice told me to bring them to the attic. I didn't know who he meant at first. Then I saw you. I'd never seen a dead person before. It was terrible. Made me sick. I cried. He told me again to bring you both to the attic. I thought if I did what he told me to do, it would be over and I could go home. But I was wrong. Every time I take you up, when I come back down, y'all are in the kitchen again. I'm so tired. I don't want to do this anymore. This is insane, Olivia said. Who does the voice belong to? 
Is there someone else in the house with us? Maybe it is the house, Olivia said. Like he said. A pen. We need a pen. He can't see or hear us, but he can see what we do. If we write, we can communicate with him. Maybe if we try, we can work this out together. Olivia didn't wait. She ran off towards the bedroom. She opened the door in a hurry, and Jackson quickly looked in that direction. Where are you going? He asked. You keep going and moving things, but you never say anything. Do you know who did this? How do we leave? I want to go home. I have a daughter, you know. Lily. She's nine. Great kid. Samson watched and listened to the man, and the more he did, the more he believed his story. This man didn't kill them. He was as much a victim as they were. But a victim of what? Why would the real killer make him carry them upstairs over and over? What kind of game were they playing? Samson sighed with relief when Olivia came back with a notepad and a pen. Tell him, he said. She wrote, We can hear you, you can't hear us. Then she threw the notepad down on the coffee table before him. The man leaned his bald head over and read the paper. You gotta be kidding me, he said. All right, then. He leaned back against the couch with an exhausted sigh. Any idea how we get out of here? Samson snatched up the pad and quickly wrote, The voice you heard. Did it say anything else? He threw the pad down on Jackson's lap. The big man jumped with a childish yelp. When he settled, he grabbed his chest. Damn it, don't do that shit. No, it didn't say anything else. It says, take them to the attic. When I do and I come down, you're back in the kitchen. Everything is quiet. When I go back, it says, take them to the attic. I think it's just a game or something. This damn house is fucking with me. I just want to go home. He tossed the pad back onto the table. Where would we go? Samson asked Olivia. She shook her head. We're already home. Maybe heaven or hell, I suppose. Are we in a rush to do that? Now that we know what's happening, maybe this is the better option. We can still have our life together. Olivia didn't respond, but he could see her thinking about it. You still there? Jackson asked. Olivia looked at Samson and frowned. She bent over and retrieved the pad. Then she wrote, We come back down when you come back down. Maybe you're supposed to stay. Samson read the words over her shoulder and chewed on his lip as he considered what she said. She gently placed the pad back on the table. Jackson saw it coming and leaned in to retrieve it. When he read it, he gave a long, tired exhale. Why? He asked as he leaned back against the couch again. I'm alive. There's nothing up there but some old junk, a bunch of dust, and the two of you. What am I supposed to do? I can't just stay up there in the attic with two dead people forever. God, I hope that's not what it wants me to do. If he didn't kill us, who did? Samson asked his wife as she was leaning for the pad again. She paused and froze there, leaning over the coffee table. She looked up at him without completing the task or writing herself. I don't know. Well, someone did, 
Samson told her. We certainly didn't die of natural causes. I saw your wound. It was grisly, Liv. We were murdered. Olivia finished grabbing the pad, but she stood and handed it to Samson. He wrote out his thoughts. Then he walked around and gently tapped Jackson on the arm with the pad. The big man sighed quietly and took it. When he read it, he said, I have no idea. I didn't see anyone leave. I didn't see anyone in here. I just heard that voice. Maybe it belongs to the killer. Maybe it killed each other. I have no idea. Olivia's face showed her alarm. She turned to stare at her husband. Could that be true? Samson shook his head. No, it's not possible. It's not. Arguing, fighting, that's just marriage. Violence is something different. No, I wouldn't. You can be an asshole, but I don't think I could get mad enough to kill you either, Olivia said. Samson was ready to laugh, but then he looked at her face and saw that she was serious. It wasn't us, Liv. That's not what happened. It isn't. Maybe there's someone else here. Someone other than the three of us. She grabbed the pad to echo her statement in writing and relay it to Jackson. When he read it, he frowned. He shrugged his big shoulders. I don't know. I haven't seen anyone, but I can't see you either. I heard their voice, though, and I can't hear you. So they're not just dead then, right? I don't understand the rules to any of this. I just want to get home to my kid. Samson and Olivia moved in close to each other. They held each other's hands and looked into each other's eyes. If they're not like us, and they're not like him, what are they? Olivia asked her husband. Samson simply shook his head. We need to go back up, Olivia said to him. This time he nodded. With a reluctant sigh, he broke away from her, grabbed the pen and pad, and shared the thought with Jackson. The big man grumbled and bounded to his feet. I don't like it. I don't want to. How do we know whatever is doing this will let us out if we do what it wants? Maybe it's just plain evil. He had the pad in his hands and held it out. He was waiting for them to take it and write something back, but they didn't, and he just stood there holding it extended until he felt foolish. So it doesn't matter what I think, yeah? I'm stuck in this damned house with two dead bodies, two ghosts, and one whatever the hell, and I don't have a damn say in any of it, do I? That's just fucking fabulous. Fine, let's go. With a roar of frustration, Jackson stormed off toward the kitchen. When he got there, Olivia and Samson were there waiting. Olivia, with her midsection opened like an envelope, her contents spilling free, and Samson twisted unnaturally, his bones broken and joints bending the wrong ways like a collapsed marionette puppet. Behind Jackson, the two ghosts were staring at their dead partners with tear-filled eyes and horrified expressions. I thought it would get easier, Olivia said. It doesn't. I could never get used to seeing you like that, Samson said back. Like what? She asked him. What did they do to me, Sam? Let's not do that. Let's not go there. There's no reason for us to share this with each other. But I need to know, Olivia pleaded. I need to know if I look like you do. 
if they did the same thing to me. Am I broken, Sam? Broken, he echoed. I'm broken? Jackson heaved Samson's twisted body like the mangled root of a dead tree over his shoulder and sauntered past them toward the attic hatch. He took you away, Olivia said. Tell me what you see, Sam, before he comes back and takes me. Tell me what you see. Not broken, Samson said. He was still thinking about what she said, imagining himself broken. You're cut. Cut, she said more to herself. Here, Samson said. He didn't look at the version of her that was talking to him. His eyes were on who she was before, but his finger moved like a knife across his midsection. When she went quiet and didn't respond, only then did he turn to look her way. She was trembling. Tears cascaded down her cheeks. He hated to see her cry and found it strange that in this moment when they were standing here, dead and trapped as they were, he found himself thinking just how beautiful she was. Suddenly, he found himself thinking about their wedding day. He had never been happier than he had been at that moment, looking across the aisle at her. Her eyes sparkled with love for him. He couldn't wait until he was told he could kiss her. She wasn't wrong. He was an asshole a lot. It was stupid, childish, and petty. He had a good thing, a great thing, and he was so emotional about everything, so tired from work, so grouchy because he hadn't eaten in too long, so frustrated with the upkeep of the new big house after living in an apartment half the size, that he wasted it. He wasted his time alive with her. He griped and made snarky, sarcastic comments, and there was no point to any of it. No benefit. Not even six months. They hadn't even made it six months in their married life together before death came to claim them. Samson wished he could go back. Jackson stormed into the kitchen and scooped up Olivia's body, tossing it over his shoulder. Her entrails hung down his back like so much rope. Grimacing, he exited the room. Samson put his hand to his mouth. He sobbed quietly. Olivia came up behind him. She wrapped her arms around him and laid her head against his shoulder. We're still together, she said quietly. We're still here. I'm sorry, he told her. I love you. I should have loved you better. You barely had the chance to, she said. It was all so new. I'm just sorry. We should go up now. We don't want him to come back down and do this again. That poor man. I don't want to go up, Samson told her. The voice said he had to go up. It didn't say we had to. I don't want to see you like that again. He turned and stared into her eyes. I want to see you like this. Just like this. Beautiful as ever. Let's just stay down here, Liv. Let him deal with whatever is up there. Olivia squeezed his hand. I understand how you feel. I feel it too. I get it. But that isn't fair. We'll never get to be free, to move on, to do whatever we're supposed to do next if we don't go up and help him figure out how. Maybe I don't want to. What if that means we separate? What if freedom isn't a good thing, Liv? We have no idea what will happen. 
She frowned and looked at him with sympathy. Whatever it is, Sam, it's what's supposed to happen. We can't fight against what it's meant to be. We have to trust that it will be okay. I don't want to. If we don't help him, he'll probably just come down and we'll have to do this all over again. Samson clenched and unclenched his fists. Damn it. He led the way out of the kitchen and Olivia followed. She caught up with him and took his hand. They walked together to the attic. The hatch was open and the ladder was down. There was no sound coming from above. The newlyweds looked at each other and then one by one they ascended the ladder. When they got to the attic, they looked left and saw their bodies piled in a heap against the wall below a small window. They both looked away and found Jackson on the other side of the room, sitting cross-legged on the floor. He had the notebook and the pen sitting on the ground before him. Are you all there? He asked. Nothing is happening. I don't know what to do next. If I can't figure anything out, I'm going to go back down. Olivia snatched up the pad and wrote, Don't. Okay. Well, what now? Look around. Does anything seem familiar? Does anything stand out or make this make sense? It's all familiar, Samson said in frustration. It's our frigging house. I think he means, does anything jog our memory? Help us to remember what happened. We really should look, Sam. She patted her husband gently on the arm and she walked away to inspect the contents of the attic. He huffed, but Samson followed suit. Never used to be able to come up here without sneezing and coughing from all the dust. It's nice to be able to look around here without feeling sick and blowing snot everywhere. I guess death does have its perks. Olivia laughed. She looked back at him with the smile that made him fall in love with her when he met her at the coffee shop three years ago. So much of this isn't ours, she said. We didn't bring this stuff. It was already here. Came with the house. Samson nodded. He picked up a filthy naked baby doll and turned it over in his hand. I definitely didn't bring this with me. Olivia held an old picture frame containing a black and white photo of a thin smiling man in a shoddy suit. We were in such a rush to get back to life, to work, that we just rushed to unpack what we needed. We didn't really take the time to inspect what was already here, you know? We just added to the pile and went on. I wish I knew what you were doing, Jackson said. I'm just sitting here and I can feel the wetness from your... stuff on my back. I'm going to go down and borrow your shower in a minute. A lot of good it will do, Samson said, turning his head to glare at him. You'll just wash up and have to carry us up here all over again, recreating the mess. Remember, he can't hear you. Olivia reminded him. Samson marched over, grabbed up the pad, and wrote, We're looking. A lot of this isn't ours. Give us time. Right, said Jackson, patting his knees. Fantastic. I'll just be right here. While they went about picking things up and looking them over, he watched the contents lift out of boxes and things float above the floor. At least I know you're still here. He said to them, What about you? You here too? I brought them up like you asked me to. I don't understand what else you want from me. 
Olivia dropped a wooden rocking horse with chipped and fading paint and ran over to the bed to write, Yes, good. Try to talk to them. Find out what they want. I've been doing that since long before I started talking to the two of you, Jackson said in answer. It hasn't done me any good. The damn thing doesn't say anything but take them to the attic. Sighing, Jackson pushed off the dusty attic floorboards and lifted his bulk with a groan. When he was standing upright, he had to bend his bald head down to not hit the slanted ceiling. He dusted off his clothes and then smacked his hands together. So what now? He said. I can't go down or it will start over. I can't stay here forever or I'll go insane. What do you want from me? What do you want me to do? Tell me. I said, bring them to the attic. A deep voice said from seemingly nowhere. Samson and Olivia both stopped what they were doing and turned to look in Jackson's direction. They saw nothing but him. As far as they could tell, he was standing there alone in the attic. While they were all looking and listening, the voice continued. I didn't say, bring their bodies to the attic. Well, shit, Jackson said. Over and over I carried them up here. I've got their blood and whatever else on my clothes. I ruined the crime scene and destroyed the evidence of whatever really happened to these people, and I didn't even have to move them? I could have just left them where they were? You wanted me to bring their ghosts to the attic? How the hell was I supposed to know that? Could you have just told me that at some point? Who are you? What do you want? Olivia asked. Why did you want us in the attic? Samson asked. Tell us. Did you kill us? Why? I need to know why. Are they up here? The voice asked. Jeez, it's another one we can hear that can't hear us, Olivia said. Yes, they're here. Where the hell are you? Jackson asked. Silence. Olivia and Samson shared worried glances. Jackson turned in a circle, looking everywhere. You still here? Why did you want me to bring the damn ghost to the attic? Are you alive or dead or what? Or what? The voice said then. Well, I'm glad that's cleared up, Samson said, shaking his head with annoyance. What does that even mean? Olivia asked. Can it even read the notebook if we try to communicate that way? Hell if I know. Well, you've got your ghosts, Jackson said. Does that mean I can leave? Can I go home? I'm ready for this nightmare to be over. Olivia ran over to the notebook. She snatched it up and hurriedly scribbled, You can't leave us. Then she hurled it at Jackson as he headed for the ladder down. The notebook hit him in the head and he yelped. He stopped on the top of the steps and grabbed it, looking at it with anger in his eyes. Well, what the hell do you want me to do? He snapped, throwing the book back into the attic. This isn't about me. I tried to do the right thing and look where it got me. I need to go home. I need to go home. You can go, the voice said. But remember that you moved the bodies and touched everything in here. There is tons of evidence to connect you to their murders. Eventually... The police will find it all, and you will leave your family for good. 
your daughter will be fatherless. Jackson balled his hands into fists. He pressed them against the side of his head and he screamed. It was primal, agonizing fury. It was real. It was loud. It left him trembling. He climbed back up into the attic and sat down. Do whatever it is you need to do so I can clean up and do what I need to do to be with my kid, he said. He's just going to dispose of us and clean the evidence of what happened to us, Olivia said through fresh tears. Of course, I would do the same damn thing, Samson answered. How can you blame him? He didn't do this. He just wants to be with his kid. Who did, Sam? Who did this? What kind of house did we move into? Why are we dead, Sam? Why? I don't know, he yelled, angrier than he meant to. Feeling the shame of yelling at her, even after death, Samson averted his eyes. Olivia grabbed the notebook. She wrote furiously and voiced all her questions. Then she dropped it on Jackson's lap. He frowned, but looked down at the paper. They're pretty upset, Jackson said. Can you please just tell them what they're doing up here? They can hear you. I just want all this to be over. Please. It'll be over soon enough, the voice said. What does that mean? Olivia and Samson screamed in unison. Their anger was boiling over. They shook with it like a tea kettle beginning to steam. Samson furiously started rifling through the contents of the attic. He was throwing things to the side. There must be something here, something it wants us to find, to see, to smell, to something. I don't fucking know. Olivia didn't say anything, but she joined in. Together, they grabbed everything in the attic, inspected it, and tossed it over their shoulder if it bore no significance that they could find. Things started piling up and falling onto Jackson. He cursed and knocked a pile of old things away, scrambling to get to his feet and avoid the avalanche, and he banged his head on the slanted ceiling in the process. He cried out in anger. Holding his hurting head, he screamed, Just tell them what you're fucking looking for! The voice said nothing. All this stuff. This is multiple people's things, Samson said. A whole family. Maybe even more. It is strange, isn't it? Olivia wrote down what he said for Jackson, then went back to rummaging. Whatever they were meant to find. It had to be soon, and the excitement had her energized. They want to know how many people's belongings are up here, Jackson said. They say there's a lot. Only one matters. The first one. The voice said, Oh my God, I think I found it. Olivia cried out. She dug through a pile of things and came out with a book. It was old and thick with dust and she wiped the cover clean. What is it? Samson asked her. Some kind of diary, I think. Tell Jackson. Samson did as she asked and Jackson relayed the message to their host. I know, the voice said back. Jackson looked over at the book hovering in the musty attic air and said, Oh, right. What's it say? Samson asked. Oh my God, Olivia said, pausing. Samson, he's alive. His name is Franklin. Something happened. 
a science experiment gone wrong. It was meant to turn him younger, to help him retain his youth. It worked, but it also turned him invisible. He doesn't ever age, but the catch is that no one knows he's alive. There's something here in the back of the book. Samson walked over to her. If he had been alive still, his heart would have been racing. He grabbed her arm and looked over her shoulder. She pulled out a folded piece of paper and worked to open it. It's the deed, Samson said first. They keep trying to sell the house out from under him while he's still living in it because no one can see him. It's still his house, but he just comes across as a disembodied voice, Olivia said. They probably think it's haunted and want to sell it that much faster. Olivia folded the paper and put it back where she got it from. How does making the house actually haunted help him? Samson said to her as she closed the book and brought it over to Jackson. There was no point in writing down what they found when it was already written. She held the book out before the big man and waited for him to take it. He seemed nervous and reluctant to do so, but at last he did. Swallowing a lump that rose in his throat, Jackson opened the book and read. He read in silence while Samson and Olivia watched him. When he was finished, he closed the book. You're alive, he said matter-of-factly. So you just what? Kill everyone they sell your house to? I was still making the payments until my money ran out. I couldn't very well go to work. No one can see me. Sure, I can tell them. It's me. I'm here. But believe it or not, people don't react well to that. They certainly don't go, oh sure, well, head on over to your desk then. They foreclosed on my house, but it's not like I could just go get another one. My options are slim, to say the least. Olivia and Sam looked at each other. Jackson placed the book down gently beside himself on the floor. Why didn't you just talk to the people that moved in? Explain yourself. Oh, I tried that in the beginning. They all decided I was either a ghost or the house itself like you did. Some left screaming in the night. Their stuff is up here or burned out back. Others? Others were stubborn and wanted to win. They wanted to show that they weren't going to be run off by some fucking ghost. They called in priests and paranormal assholes and burned sage all over my house that made me choke and cough. There was only one way to make them leave. After a while, I stopped asking. You should have talked to us, Olivia said, even though he couldn't hear her. We wouldn't have listened any better than any other, Samson said. You know it's true. We didn't even listen to each other. Five months of marriage and we were already ignoring each other's needs and not listening. Five months of marriage with someone else living in this house with us, Samson. Where was he when we were eating dinner, making love? Was he there the whole time? Did he sit with us, lay beside us, stand at the side of the bed and stare at us? Christ, Samson said. Now I just want to kick his ass. We can, I think. If we can touch objects and throw things and drop things on Jackson and we can do so more aggressively with this prick. He grabbed something and threw it angrily in the direction the voice had been coming from. 
I can see the things you lift and grab like they're floating in mid-air. Do you think I won't avoid them? You can't see me to aim properly. Don't be a fool. I've been at this a long time. So what do you want from me? Jackson said. I'm just the gardener. I only came in because I heard the screams. I don't want to take your house from you. I have my own and I really want to go back to it. Do you think I killed them when you were here working in the garden by accident? What does he mean? Olivia asked. He wanted to get caught? I don't know. He's clearly insane, Samson answered. So you wanted me to run in because you wanted me to help get the ghosts to the attic? You couldn't just lure them up here yourself? And what's the point anyway? You just want them to understand after the fact? You want the power of letting them know why you killed them? What good does that do? Being invisible has made you a bit of a psychopath, I think. Do not judge me like you're in a place to understand, Franklin said. I wanted them to read, to hear, to see that I've tried everything with everyone and understand. I want them to forgive me before they move on. I want you to bury them with the others in the garden. Plant another rose bush on top. I definitely do not forgive you, Samson said, hugging Olivia tightly to him. Maybe we should, Olivia said, leaning her head against him. We were getting so angry, cold, distant. We would have divorced eventually, but this brought us closer together again and reminded us of our love. Samson said nothing. He just held her and stared at the empty space he now knew was occupied. Jackson said, You want me to bury them? Bury them yourself. I'm done with this. <clears throat> he got up and went to the ladder. Before he could descend, someone pushed him and he tumbled down, hitting the floor below with a smack. He moved along the floor like a worm, groaning in pain. Olivia and Samson rushed to the ladder and climbed down to see to him. While Samson was descending, Franklin must have come down too. Being alive, he didn't have to wait, and his unseen human form walked right through Samson on the ladder. Samson could feel him pass. At the bottom, Olivia knelt beside the groaning Jackson. She tried to check and see how badly he was hurt, but her hands kept passing through him. We can touch objects, but not people, she cried out. He's hurt. You're done when I say you're done, Franklin said from nearby. The evidence points to you, Gardner. You even touched the murder weapon. You moved it to the side to pick the bodies up once. It's in your best interest to dispose of them. If you do, then I will clean the house while you take care of the bodies to exonerate you. Jackson got up onto his hands and knees. Why? He said, his pain evident in his voice. Why set me up? Force me to be an accomplice. I can't even get outside. I've tried. Because I need you to sign their deed to own my house. They will sign it over to you or you won't bury them. And if you don't bury them, they don't move on. The outside is shielded by a barrier of radiating sound waves. It's essentially a fence. I can turn it off. 
I needed a way to control who comes and goes to keep people out. It's something I've been working on when my unwanted guests were leaving freely as I could not do. Franklin answered bitterly. I tested it by keeping people in. It works. Fantastic, Jackson said with a sigh. We can't just sign the house over to him. We'd have to get the proper paperwork. It would need to be notarized, Samson snapped. Olivia looked at him and frowned. I already did, she said. Things were going so badly. We loved each other so much before marriage, before living together in this house. I heard things and thought it was the house. I wanted it out. I tried to talk to you about it, but like you said, you'd already stopped listening to me. Who? Who are we going to sell our house to? Olivia started crying. She shook her head. I wasn't going to sell it to anyone, Sam. I was going to sign it over to you alone. I was going to take myself off of it willingly, for free. I was going to leave. Shit, Samson said. He walked away to sit on the couch. Still crying, Olivia went into their bedroom and took something from the drawer in the end table beside the bed. She wiped her eyes and carried it to the kitchen where she laid it down on the table. It occurred to her then that Franklin knew she had it. He had seen it, seen her carry it, stare at it, and cry over it. He had been there the entire time. He could have let her leave, but he chose to kill her anyway. He didn't just want to be rid of the failing newlyweds in his house. He wanted to make sure that no one else moved in after them. She shuffled her way to the living room and sat beside her husband. He was staring at his lap. She took his hand in hers and squeezed it. I'm sorry, she said. Me too, he said back quietly. It's my fault. If I'd been better, you wouldn't have wanted to leave. Franklin wouldn't have seen his opportunity. Maybe we would still be alive. It doesn't matter now. Olivia said, kissing his cheek. There's no point in looking back at what we should have done differently. We are good now, and we're soon to move on to something better. In the hall, Jackson struggled to his feet. He couldn't put his weight on one leg and grimaced in pain. You're going to need to get that looked at, Franklin said to him. Go to hell, Jackson groaned. I live there, Franklin told him. So you and the ghosts will sign the papers. I will make sure it looks like they moved and went to start a new life. Then you will own my house, and I will live in it. You will make sure that no one else moves in or snoops around because you will know that there is evidence that could put you away from murder buried here. You and your daughter will live in peace, and I will live in peace. The ghosts will make their way to the pearly gates. Everyone will be happy. Except for the fact that you already said you're out of money and I can't pay you for two houses. Jackson said as he limped his way to the kitchen. You want me and my daughter to move in and live with you? Isn't that exactly what you're trying to avoid? You might just have to sell your own house. Get an apartment somewhere. Something smaller and more affordable so you can make the payments. I will start refurnishing the past occupants' belongings and selling them online. I'll give whatever I make to you to use towards the mortgage. 
You want me to uproot my child? To take away her house and the life she knows? How would I even explain that to her? That sounds like a you problem, and I don't see how you have any other choice. Do you? You're a monster, Jackson said. In the flesh, though I suppose you'll just have to take my word on that. I hate you. I don't care. The ghosts left the papers for you. Sign them. Your leg is hurt and you have digging to do. Jackson stared at the empty air with rage burning in his eyes. He thought about attacking the man, but it was hard to beat someone you couldn't see. Surely Franklin would just move. Besides, it would be hard to fight on a bum leg. He growled and stumbled to the kitchen table where he picked up a pen and got to work. Samson and Olivia were huddled on the couch waiting for their turn to sign the papers. A house in the mortal world didn't matter to them anymore anyway. It won't be long now, Franklin said to them. The ghosts get trapped here until their bodies are buried. Then they go. I've been through this a time or two. Once our gardener does his job, all of this will be over and you'll go to a better place. They didn't answer him. There wasn't anything left to say. They had no power. Franklin had orchestrated everything. He had stolen everybody's choices, including his own, but it would all be over soon. At least for once, they had each other. They held each other tightly as one by one, Jackson carried their bodies past them. Finally, he was able to cross the threshold and take them out to the garden, a garden he had tended to well. Franklin's Garden. I hope you enjoyed Franklin's Garden, as written by Keisto Healy and performed by Paul J. McSorley. Keisto Healy is an author of twisted horror tales as well as innovative science fiction and epic fantasy stories. Keisto is a genre author with an unstoppable imagination who writes seven days a week and tries to write at least one story or chapter every single day. It's his biggest passion. As for me, you can find more of me right here on our very own network, as well as over on Audible, or just check out paulsbooks.net. And be sure to check out Fear from the Heartland, which has over 120 episodes for you to love and enjoy. Well, friends, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host of the evening, Paul J. McSorley, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs>
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.